Vanessa I'm okay thanks how are you doing yeah we're great we're you know we're on a kind of you know triple screen but we're all good welcome to facing the crowd podcast thank you are we are we is it live or are we recording it I've I've already started recording so okay just just so I don't forget because that does happen that can happen okay just so I know when we waffle on and and we're sort of uh, just saying hellos and stuff, we always we can edit them out. So. Oh, okay. So, what, what did you want? To, was there anything specific you wanted to talk about? Well, we want to we want to want to talk about all the the old school headbangers ball um, experiences you had, which is just what we know and love from uh, from way back. Um, obviously, you're you're coming back into music now aren't you after a long period out is that right with your new that's, show do you want to just go right. straight into your new show it's so exciting we want to hear about that well thank you and this this is just great timing for my my new show because i've got a new program starting on stax tv and stax.com which is a very uh, innovative um, live streaming service and um we're calling it heavy metal heydays mm-hmm. And I am the first presenter on Stacks. And basically, I'm just going to be taking a walk down memory lane and playing uh, tracks from the kind of heyday of MTV Headbangers Ball and just telling some of my my stories from from that wonderful time in my life when I was uh, traveling all over the world and talking to rock stars and going to massive concerts and Oh, well, it was just the best ever time. So it's great to be able to, to, to revisit it and relive those memories. And I've had so much, um, support from Sax and also everybody I've told about it. Um, they're all really excited. So I can't wait. And uh, I think the first show is airing, um, at the beginning of August. Amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, some of those, uh, like videos have become like, like cult classic videos and on YouTube and stuff, all the interviews. Um, remembering the Sebastian back at Donington 92 <laughs> interview, yeah. which I've seen so many times. I remember watching it at the time. Um, and just we used to love those episodes, Monsters of Oh, they, they were such good fun, and it was such a privilege to be able to talk to, um, such talented, such committed, such passionate, uh, musicians. Um, and you know, I very felt very privileged that I was I was really just the conduit between the band and the fans, and you know that that was a big responsibility, and I wanted to to do a good job of it, um, and always show respect uh, for the musicians, and always try and give them the chance to express themselves, um, you know, in, in their way, and actually ask proper in depth questions so that they could really explain their inspiration and what inspired their songs and stuff like that. So yes, it, it really was um, awesome. And I'm very hopeful that if there is, uh, you know, an appetite for heavy metal heydays on stacks, that we will expand the format to include guest interviews and go out on the road and film concerts and just really go back to, to those, uh, those heydays um, yeah. of rock, which we're so fortunate to have been part of. Um, it's very interesting. There was a comment on social media this week where somebody said, uh, happy 40th birthday, MTV. 
thank you for 15 years of great music. <laughs> and, uh, it's I so feel, true. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. feel that I was just there at that that golden age of MTV when <clears throat> the, the, the music was just so incredible. The artists uh, and live shows were just out of this world. Um, and we saw many transitions uh, through different phases of rock and metal as well. So, um, yeah, heavy metal heydays uh, is where it's going to be going forwards and it's on demand. So it's not having to wait up till Sunday night at midnight. Yeah. Uh, you can just watch it whenever you like. It's brilliant. I mean, to be honest, talking to you is like, it's amazing for us. You are like the queen of metal and now you're back and it's just, it's unreal that we're actually having this conversation. So just oh, want to well, say that so we're, we're, we're massive fans. I used to sit up until midnight just to yeah. push record on the VHS. Oh, bless you. Well, <laughs> the, the great thing is that, you know, since the advent of social media, I've had so many fans and, you know, headbangers get in touch with me and, you know, showing an interest in what I'm doing. And it's it's just very gratifying that, you know, I've still been there in the background for people. But now, uh, thanks to Stax um, and Stax.com, um, you know, we'll have this this show going out. I don't know how often it's going to be at the moment. I think it'll be once a month. But if it gets a high viewership, then I think, you know, it will become more frequent and we'll kind of expand the format. At the moment, it's just me introducing some of my favourite clips from Stax's uh, roster of, of music um, and just talking about some of the things that uh you know went on behind the scenes uh headbangers ball yeah great so if they Amazing. got they got all the footage um from some of the old headbangers ball uh interviews and whatever yeah, or is it is it videos is it is it going to be live stuff is it oh uh, they've licensed loads of live they have, concerts yeah, yeah. and wow. they've also um licensed some documentaries as well and they've also started producing some of their own concerts so it's very early days for stacks yeah. um they haven't been going that long um and you know that makes it even more special uh for me that i was the first person they called yeah. and said come back and, and do a show with us so uh yes it's in uh, early stages still but i have recorded the first show um and it will be going out hopefully at the beginning of august that's brilliant Amazing. definitely got the right person to bring back the metal i love it <laughs> yeah 100 I mean, like you so... say you, you always kind of kept so composed in amongst the mayhem of, of of basically bands going to to gigs playing and festivals um, you know, there wasn't it wasn't like the social media, like you say, so they could just let loose and just be themselves. And you was the, the like the composed, like like you say, the conduit between them. Um, it's a different world now, but I'm sure it's going to be just as good. Well, the attitude of MTV was if you were a VJ, it was I'm I'm very pretty. I'm wearing something interesting that you might aspire to. And I, I might have something interesting to say. I, I didn't subscribe to that at all. I didn't want to be a typical VJ, which was all about them. Um, I wanted it to be about the bands and I didn't want to be in the forefront. And I, I just think it's a different approach. Uh, if you ever watched MTV's Headbangers Ball in America with Ricky Rackman, yeah. he, he was very much the, the star of the show. And I can honestly say I, I didn't want to be the star I wanted to be there to make sure that the bands had a chance to uh you know really express themselves because one thing that I always respected is that the fans knew way more about music and metal than I did even though I was you know very immersed in it um and and I wanted to make sure that they got the questions answered that they probably would have asked if they were holding the microphone. So um, it was just a different approach. And MTV didn't like me as a presenter. Um, I, I don't know if that's a oh, known right. fact no, or I didn't, not. I didn't know um, but, personally. you know, when they had like a rock weekend and, and so on, where they sometimes had these themed weekends, they, they didn't want me to present it. Um, and I had to fight uh, to get a wardrobe allowance and uh you know a makeup artist and stuff like that all the kind of standard things the other vjs had oh, yeah. um initially i didn't have them um but thankfully a lovely lady at mtv called tamsin really 
you know, championed what I was doing and said, you know, Vanessa should have the same as as the other presenters. Um, and that's when I eventually, um, you know, got a wardrobe allowance and, and had a makeup artist and things like that. Up until that point, it was I was just doing my own makeup and hair and right. wearing my own clothes. So, um, yes, it, it, it's it, it's interesting, uh, you know, obviously how I got started behind the scenes and so on. Um, and I think perhaps because I kind of came from behind the scenes, um, maybe MTV didn't think that um, I should have the same status as a a normal VJ that was on daytime, you know, primetime TV. So I don't know. It's all such a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously I loved every, every yeah. second of it. Obviously we're probably triggering, triggering some memories for you anyway. Um, one of my questions was going to be when you kind of went out to like report on a festival, um, you know, how was the conditions for you? Because obviously in the nineties, it was all a bit, let's go kind of, you know, what were the conditions? Because obviously not that many females around in the rock world at the time. Was it, was it difficult for you to, to, to spend a whole weekend at a festival um, reporting on that? Or was it, you just went with the flow? Any memories of that? Um, well, I loved it. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, I was a female in rock. Um, and I, I think things have moved on a lot since my day. Um, but you know, sometimes on on YouTube videos where where I've been interviewing somebody, there's some comments like, "Oh, I bet she shagged them after the interview and stuff like that," which oh. you know I do find offensive because um you know that wasn't my style at all. Um, I want I couldn't be successful at what I did if the bands didn't respect me and my my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, it was. It was just um, just an incredible time. I remember that I was in uh, Los Angeles, or I think it mm, might be somewhere outside Los Angeles, filming with Danzig. Um, and we did an interview. We filmed some of the gig. I flew back. Um, I think it was a, a Wednesday I got back. I spent all Thursday in the edit suite uh, editing that show to get it ready for sunday night broadcast and then on friday morning um motorhead's manager called me said oh vanessa um we got got the guys playing in in la um would you like to come over and film and do an mtv headbangers ball special um and we'll book your flights for sunday so i was "Ah!" well i went (laughs) but it was really hard work to take two uh you know 11 and a half hour flights in such a short space of time and and to get used to time difference and and work and everything but i think you know it was just so much fun uh i had you know people that i knew around me my producer my cameraman and stuff like that so it, it it was relatively just a joy to do i can't i can't really complain about it at all Fantastic. You've obviously met you've obviously met everybody in that kind of that kind of world. Um one of the questions I wanted to ask is um is there any that are like completely different to like their persona on stage? If you see what I mean. Like completely different to how you imagine they'd be. Yeah, that there were a couple. Um one that I do recall is Kurt Cobain. Uh right. I was due to interview uh, Nirvana at a festival. I think it was in Denmark. And we were told to stand in a certain place backstage and the the band would come and find us with their manager. And I was standing there, um, you know, kind of looking around. And then I went like that. And Kurt was standing there. And all I can say is he had... I don't know if this sounds a bit hippie, sort of hippie-ish, but he had a very depressed aura. <laughs> he he was almost like caved in on himself. I can't really explain, but, you know, some people you meet have a very powerful aura. They're very charismatic. They You really notice them. He was the exact opposite. And mm. I was kind of nudging my producer going, Kurt's there. She's like, oh, my God, yeah. And she did a double take as well. Um, and yeah, I, I think in hindsight, you could, obviously we know that he had, um, you know, mental health issues, which we talk about a lot more 20, 30 years later than we did back then. But I think he was yeah. struggling then. 
Um, mm. And that was a very difficult interview because all of the, the guys in Nirvana were quite tricky towards me. And um, um, I... I asked Chris Novoselic a question and he said, I'm a red, red rooster pecking at the dirt. And I thought, <laughs> hmm, okay, where do I go with this? But I soldiered on. So I, yeah, I, can, only, yeah. I can only do my best. <laughs> Yeah, from like reading like a lot of um, literature and stuff about from people who have obviously interviewed Nirvana and Kurt Cobain, especially um, a lot of people say you have to you had to get him in the right mood, mm. otherwise you could you wouldn't be able to get anything out of him. But if he was in the right mood, then he'd just talk about absolutely anything. So yeah. He sounded like quite an interesting character. Oh, an, an incredibly talented musician as well, um, and yeah, I mean maybe when bands are out on the road it, it is exhausting it's relentless uh and maybe his energy levels were just low that day um but it mm, was a privilege mm. to, to meet him and i'm very honored to be able to say that that i did that's incredible yeah so let's just rewind right back um if you can remember when you kind of first ever heard hard rock and and heavy metal and and what did you think at the time was it an instant thing or did you grow into it through the mtv thing no i i first heard uh heavy metal when i was about 12 or 13 and i was quite insular when i was at that age and i think as you're going through adolescence you're growing up you're trying to find out who you are and I was going through that, as all young people do. And I first heard Iron Maiden, I think it was. And something just struck a chord with me. Uh, and I just wanted to listen to more and more of, of that music. Um, and, you know, it's just sitting on your own in bedroom, listening to it Um on on vinyl as as those were the days because we're talking many many decades ago now um and it, it just really spoke to me so i i'd always had an interest in in rock music and and metal music uh and then obviously when i went to mtv uh i was working behind the scenes as a production assistant and mtv decided to do a rock and heavy metal show and uh, the first presenters were um, the Bailey brothers, who's, who you may remember. Uh, and they uh, did, a, did a version uh, for MTV. But then MTV decided that they wanted to go kind of much more in line with the format of MTV's Headbangers Ball in the US. Um, and so the Bailey brothers were no more. Um, and then Christiana Backer became the presenter uh, and then she didn't really work out. And then I got it as a, as a kind of temporary gig. I was only meant to be doing it for a few weeks while they were interviewing other presenters. Um, but I obviously must have struck a chord somewhere. Um, and I had so much support from the bands, actually, throughout my time at MTV, which I'm eternally grateful for. Uh, they were very supportive of me. Um, and I think after Kurt Cobain died, and um, there, there was obviously in the Seattle music scene and well worldwide, mm -hmm. there was a lot of grief to process. Um, Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam uh, agreed to do one worldwide interview, which would be syndicated to anybody in the world that wanted it. And he asked for me to conduct the interview, which was an incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, it was an incredible honour. Um, and I flew over to Boston, I think it was. And I met him after the gig and his manager said, Vanessa, tread very, very carefully uh, when you talk about Kurt or, in fact, skirt around it. If I were you, he said, uh, it's a very, very sensitive issue. Eddie mm. is under a lot of pressure to talk about it and he's not sure how he feels about talking about it. So I said, no, I understand. And we just had a very... It was just like a talk between two friends. It wasn't so much of an interview. And as the interview went on, he gradually, without any kind of prompting or pressure from me, he just gradually started showing his feelings about losing Kurt. Mm. And it was incredibly emotional. And 
at the end, he came over to me and we both had tears in our eyes and he hugged me and he said, thank you so much for, for your compassion and your, your empathy and your kindness um, for this interview. Uh, and again, you know, by that time we had tears pouring down our cheeks and, you know, it was a lovely, lovely moment. And it was a, a great honour to to be asked to do that interview. Um, and it went everywhere, all over MTV, all over the world. Yeah, that is amazing. Well, it must have been it, it must have been really hard for him to like to approach that subject, because I know like um, when Kurt was still around, Kurt, um was very quick to to always um, say how much he disliked Pearl Jam for a long time, didn't he? So um, I don't know exactly what um, Eddie's feelings were towards Nirvana, but um, you know, Kurt was always like, "Oh, you know, why why are you in this industry if you know if you're just going to keep like saying that you don't want to be and you don't want the fame, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's an interesting. I think at one. the end of the yeah, I think at the end of the day, it was a very close knit community. Uh, mm. And you know, any any suicide is is devastating. I've actually had a close family member commit suicide about eight years ago, and the the repercussions from it you you can't even begin to imagine. Um, no. so it's it's terribly sad, and it does impact other people, uh, and can really you know affect their mental health as well. And it's nice to be able to, you know, talk about these things now, because back in the day, there wasn't such an awareness um, and empathy towards mental health issues. Uh, This is a relatively recent uh, phenomenon for which I I personally am very grateful for. I think it's very important to talk about it. Um, Oh, 100 percent. You know, but back then it was much more of a stigma about it. But I think, you know, anybody can see that somebody who is a rock star, um, who's traveling on stage all the time, doesn't have much time for family and friends, under pressure all the time, under the spotlight, being analyzed, criticized. Anybody can, can see, you know, the, the pressure that that would put under somebody under. I think you have to be very mentally resilient and strong to to deal with that. Yeah, of course. And and people assume it's the greatest job in the world. But, you know, it's it's obviously hard work, right? I mean, the fact that Eddie's like the last remaining front man of that entire, you know, of that entire genre is, is, is crazy. It's just, it's very sad, you know, and, and the way all those guys kind of went. Um, yeah, pretty much all the front men have gone, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's incredibly yeah. sad. Yeah. And, you know, they're sort of our era. Uh, and, yeah, hundred percent. Um, and it, it is, it it is really, it, it does sadden me whenever I sort of think about it, or I look and I go, oh my gosh, it's fifteen years since so and so passed away, and wow, mm. you know, it's very sobering. And when you, you used to mix with these people every weekend, you know, I guess, uh, well, and weekdays as well, and for well, what was it like? Was it ninety to ninety-seven? Was on the ball. Yeah, it was 1989 to 1997, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I did have the privilege of, of, of mixing with them. Another one, sadly, no longer with us, obviously, Chris Cornell. Um, mm. What a lovely, lovely man. Um, I I really got on so well with him and his wife, His I think it's his first wife, Susan Silver, who was also their mm. manager. Um, and they they were just wonderful, wonderful human beings. Um, and, you know, Chris, just a very gentle soul, very gentle. And, you know, when I heard about what happened to him, you know, just devastating. Absolutely. And, and as you say, so many of them ha- have gone um, and it's incredibly sad. But at yeah, least yeah. You know, they left their music for us all to enjoy in perpetuity, and that's what exactly. Uh, and we all still listen to that, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I'll still listen to Alice in Chains at least once a week, and I'll get shivers when I hear his voice, you know. And yet, you know, at the end of his life, so many people didn't care about him; they didn't even find him for two weeks. He was just like a recluse, wasn't he? Um, 
But like you say, it's amazing that the music is still there and, and you know, we still listen to it and, and cherish it. And, and that's what it's about. I think you, you touched know, on it's something. Very... Sorry, I, th- I was just going to say, I think you touched on something very important there that he wasn't found for mm. a while. Um, and it's amazing how many uh, of, of uh, superstars pass away, whether through natural uh, means um or through obviously you know drug drug abuse or overdoses whatever um mm. they aren't found for a while or they're found by a cleaner or a maid yeah. in a hotel room and that's happened to so many uh and that i think shows <laughs> what life on the road can be like uh you yeah. can be very isolated and maybe you don't feel that you can reach out uh, and tell people how you're feeling um you know i think people with mental health issues sometimes feel that they're a burden on their family and friends and they try and manage it as best they can um and i think if you were doing that out on the road on tour when you're under so much pressure to literally perform and you know really deliver the goods every night um i think that pressure must have been massively amplified exactly that and, and I, I don't want to go off topic too much but i've i've literally just had an alert come up on my phone that um Sinead o'connor's died 56 oh my gosh that's pretty crazy literally just happened it's wow. just come up just got that come through yeah. gosh yeah. that's yeah. that's scary <laughs> yeah oh, well, that's yeah. that's shocking Harold, just said? just then do we know the 56. No, it didn't say. No, no. It's, uh, but I mean, I know, she, I think she had a lot of um, issues as well, didn't she? So, mm. yes. Um, who knows? Right. I wouldn't want to speculate, but I'm sure it'll come right. out in the, you know, in the next few days. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's Soon. talk about something happier. Yeah. We've been a bit, we've been a bit morbid, <laughs> but you know, these, these are, I think these are good conversations to have. Um, and, exactly uh, you know, times have changed a lot since uh, I was, VJing on a Sunday evening for MTV and you know now we've got YouTube and we've got you know Instagram and we've got TikTok and artists are uh, able to reach a very very large audience via the social meet the social web Uh, and it is interesting because I think the power has very much been taken out of the hands of the record companies Uh, and you know I think that's actually quite healthy because now bands can build a fan base uh through the social media and the social web and they can then have such a significant following that they can then you know command a really good record deal um and and mm. I, I do regard that as a positive uh development and definitely spread yeah, word I mean... about when they're playing live um get more people to the to the gigs exactly yes that's good yeah and you you can target the area where you're playing and all kinds of there's all sorts of tools now isn't there for bands oh there is yes manipulate um yeah the music industry's really been democratized in that respect um because but the days of those rock dinosaurs have gone it's so sad (laughs) well yes but you know i think you know when something is is a true classic where well actually i would say it's timeless you know you can you can listen to it again uh and again and it doesn't sound necessarily of its time it's just no. you know it's just fresh it's just innovative it's just got that connection with with the listener um yeah. and you know we have got this amazing archive of of music to to, to draw on and it seems to me that in times of trouble, which we most certainly are in at the moment, what with the, you know COVID nineteen uh, pandemic and recovering from that, and all the economic uncertainty and the cost of living crisis, you know, in times like this, actually people return to to um, nostalgia because yeah. it helps them feel better because it takes them back to a better time, and we all know that just listening to a song can it's almost like a time you know transit it can take you back to oh I was at Reading Festival when I first heard that song um and Mm. it it 
you know, it can be really consoling to to read it. These these great artists that we've loved all our lives, and and you know that they, they don't they don't go stale. They don't go out of date. Uh, they're just great songs with brilliant performances, um, and they still resonate to us whether we're twenty, forty, sixty, and and yeah. beyond. Well, me and me and Sam, exactly that. We're and really the... guilty of that, aren't we, Sam? When we uh, get together with our families and we we have a few cans and then we start taking over the Sonos or whatever. And it's just like taking it in turns to play the absolute classics. Yeah, that's what oh, it's yeah. all about, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, both our other halves aren't into heavy music, so it's always, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a contention there. But um, yeah, what, what, what about, can you do? What about your, um, your husband, Nick? Is, do you share the same musical taste at all or is it totally different? Well, Nick does actually really love... Um, hard rock and heavy metal and when we were courting um i took him to reading festival and slipknot were playing and uh we went out uh, we had backstage passes but we went out into the crowd um and much to my surprise nick (laughs) he went down to the mosh pit at the front yes (laughs) and he was moshing along to slipknot and uh, i thought okay he's all right (laughs) um and And the slipknot pit Eh? He got in the slipknot pit. He did, yeah. So I thought, yeah, he's going to be okay. Uh, and he, he he likes all types of music, um, but he does like uh, rock and metal as well. But um, when I first met him, uh, he had a kind of David Beckham haircut where he had the kind of little comb on the top. We went to see Motorhead and... I went backstage and um, I was chatting to, to the guys and their, their their roadies and whatnot. And I said, oh, where's Lem? And uh, they said, oh, he's he's in, in that room on his own at the moment. I said, is it OK if I just go in and say hello? And they said, yes, of course, you know, go in. So I knocked on the door and I went in and I said, Lemmy, um, how are you doing? Um, I've just brought my fiance to meet you. I just wanted to introduce you to Nick. And I'm not kidding. He looked around. He looked Nick up and down and he went, David Beckham's got an awful lot to answer for. <laughs> oh, knocked him stone So dead. I was like, okay, I won't disturb you anymore. But it was hilarious. Oh, no. Oh, actually, that reminds me of um, your interview with Lemmy in that LA strip club. How did that come about and, and, and how was that awkward? Was it weird? Was it fun? What, what was it like being around Lemmy sitting in a strip club doing an interview? Um, yes, it was kind of uh, kind of weird. Lemmy, um, Lemmy was Lemmy. He was so unique. He didn't suffer falls at all, uh, and he he was quite challenging to <clears throat> to interview. Um. But for the most part, I think he he was okay with me. Um, and I, I don't know if it's very well known, but um, after I finished at MTV, I continued to work with Motorhead and I directed their video for God Save the Queen. And I also directed their 25th anniversary concert at Brixton Academy when they brought the bomber back. Yeah, I have so, seen that online um, that you did that. Yeah, that was awesome that I continued to work with them. And I did quite a few other um, bits and pieces with them behind the scenes filming and stuff like that. So uh, that kind of connection continued way, way beyond um, when MTV had Bangers Ball finished. And I was I was actually really grateful for Motorheads and their management and record company support because when I left MTV, um, as you know, it was all very sudden. I can tell you about it if it's of interest. But yeah, it is totally. Uh, okay, well, it was literally um, everybody. I think two hundred employees uh, were told on a Monday morning that they had to report to uh, an office uh, at another building, uh, and we had time slots to go, and we we went and I had a time slot and I thought, well, what's this about? Got there and there was a human resources person that I'd never met and the executive producer and it was literally sit down, Vanessa. Okay. Um, we're making a lot of people redundant. Unfortunately, you're one of them. Uh, we'd like you to go back to your desk. 
clear all your stuff out and we'll pay for a taxi to take you home and we don't want you to come back to the office because it will affect the morale of the people that are left here and it was absolutely brutal uh it was very much like i don't know if you've seen the secret life of walter mitty where um they bring this managing director in to to handle the transition it was really as brutal as that and it was such a terrible shock because we'd actually had a new set made for Headbangers Ball at quite significant expense. And I thought, oh, this is great. We've got a new set and we're doing this, that and the other. It was all just cancelled literally on that day. And I did go back to the office and I did collect my stuff and I said goodbye to to some people that were still there. Um, and, and then I went home and it was um, it was such a shock because I went from having makeup and hair and wardrobe allowance and traveling and being at concerts and backstage passes I just went to having nothing to do Uh, and there aren't too many jobs being a a tv presenter of heavy rock Um, so it was very challenging for me to sort of think about getting something similar I didn't I knew that it wouldn't be possible so I had um, about six months of feeling very sorry for myself um, sitting around in my gym jams all day sending out letters it was it really was um and then uh i got a call from an old friend at sony music and she said vanessa are you doing anything and i said no what you got in mind and she said oh we've got this new artist we wondered if you would be interested in doing some kind of behind the scenes filming with him um we need you to go to miami uh next weekend and i said okay who is it and it was ricky martin So I ended up uh, doing something completely different and I did a lot of work behind the scenes with Ricky Martin uh, and travelled all over the world with him uh, and really enjoyed that experience as well. And that was really the start of my next incarnation, if you like, because I started producing and directing uh, music programming for artists. And, uh, you know, I was working with people like um, Coldplay, Kylie Minogue, uh, Luciano Pavarotti, um, oh, lots of different artists, Bon Jovi. I did some work with them, um, did some more Motorhead stuff, did a lot with Ricky Martin. Dido, I did a huge amount of work with Dido. Uh, And, yes, so I kind of had to evolve um, a little bit there. Yeah. Well, so did MTV, but unfortunately not not in a good way. I I don't know what you guys think of what happened to it. I'd be interested to know your thoughts. But to me, I haven't watched it for years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it just it just didn't be it just wasn't about the music anymore, was it? No, exactly that. Exactly that. It was all kind of uh, reality programs and MTV Cribs and yeah, yeah, um, Cribs and all that. Yeah, the the one they do at the cars and and then like the girls. It ended up being like girls pregnant, young girls, but didn't it? I'm sure it did. It was bizarre. Their yeah. yeah, music just, I think it died when then the Headbangs Ball died, but that's just coming from a uh, metalist point of view, which yeah. I know is not, well, know is not true. It, truth <laughs> be told, they got rid of all the specialist interest shows on the same day. So they got rid of MTV Raps. They got rid of the alternative music show. Yeah. Um, they got so rid yeah, of the dance show. So yeah, they did. They cancelled all of the specialist interest shows and i i think those um specialist interest shows are so important because you know in those days that there, there wasn't really any anywhere else you could get that type of music those kind of interviews and it's amazing to see so yeah. many of them uh you know being transferred from vhs and, and appeared on youtube it was it yeah, was crazy because we, we we had um uh, crusher on the show very early on when we started doing the podcast and it was amazing and he said exactly the same thing. It was just literally canned overnight. And he was just gone. He was just out on his ass. Just, what? You've cancelled it? And Headbangers Ball disappeared at the same sort of time. And it was like, well, that's it then. <laughs> we got nothing. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. And uh, sort of the Kerrang TV came along. And and you could see the videos again. But it wasn't really kind of presented much, was it? There wasn't many presenters on it. It was just, just like a revolving same videos mm. yeah now even now like when i do switch on kerrang it's like the same four or five pop punk bands and nothing else they don't play anything old school it's 
it's very very boring. Mm. Vanessa, I just I had I had a memory and I and I kind of wrote it down. I actually um, stood next to you, and you was with Ricky Warwick at the time. It was the Sepatura Slayer Kerrang X Fest at the Astoria. Wow! Support, supported by System for Down. And we were up top in the seats, and we never go in the seats. It's all we could get. We were always on the floor. And uh, like you and Ricky were standing like two or three metres away together watching the show. We were just up the top smoking joints, just looking over going, <laughs> really want to say hello to Vanessa, but just didn't have the... No, you wanted to say hello to Ricky. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Ricky. Well, we used to love the Almighty, so yeah. Yeah, bless yeah. him. I mean, Ricky's gone on to do so well. I'm so proud of him. Yeah, I'm going to the comeback show actually uh, in December, so that's going to be good. So, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, what was the first ever like live band you ever saw? If you can re- remember back that far, you've seen so many, but this is going to be really embarrassing. It normally is for everyone, isn't it? <laughs> it was Wham. Oh Wham! Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Well, we've got to admit it, whether you liked Wham or not, George Michael was incredible songwriter, such a talented yeah. guy, again, gone too soon. Um, but I think one of my friends dragged me along to that. Um, but, you know, I, I I think I've been so fortunate to see so many amazing bands in so many amazing locations. Um, and uh, people often say, is there anybody that you haven't met that, you would like to meet uh and i would say yes um debbie harry i never met debbie harry um and i would have loved to have met her uh she was a big influence on me particularly with the old bleached hair which i've still got years decades later so um yeah i mean i was just so lucky to you know to meet all these these amazing people oh sorry yeah, who, who kind of stands out most to you as like you know the the kind of person who is like the most kind of like interesting to actually interview? That's a really hard question. Um, obviously, you've got larger than life characters like Sebastian Bach or Ozzy Osbourne, um, and then you've got more. Um, I think somebody I always. Um, had had uh, a lot of respect for was Rob from Judas Priest. Um, very, mm. very down to earth, very kind human being. Again, um, not egotistical at all, uh, and always wanted to to give of his very very best. And I think I would say the same for Iron Maiden. Um, again. Uh-huh. You know, and Def Leppard, actually, all British bands. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, those guys, they they weren't egotistical. Um, they were very normal, down-to-earth people. But I think what was clear from my time with them on the road and at concerts and, and interviews was that they cared so much about the fans and they were so grateful to the fans for their support and everything that they did was planned so that they could give something back to the fans. So, you know, even walking from their car to a hotel front lobby, that they would stop because there would always be fans there and they would <clears> stop <throat> and they would greet the fans and they would have pictures taken. And, you know, they were never these... uh egotistical people that just wanted to uh you know march on past so um all of those guys were just you know really really lovely to 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 be around um and just very very committed to what were the, what they were doing and wanting uh to, to give of their best um and i think that obviously really really shone through um and you know still going to this day how, how amazing yeah. is that yeah, they're outright professionals, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. They, they yep. year in year out. They're, they're, I've seen all three of them, and you know it's just always a top quality performance. They, they always, don't, they don't ever slip away from that, do they? They just keep performing well year in year out. Doesn't matter, age doesn't affect them. No, they 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 really do, and I've got so much admiration for that because to be on 
like they are night after night playing two hour sets is an incredible achievement achievement i think the level of uh, physicality to do it is very high and the 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 mental fortitude to to maintain those levels of energy as well i think it is is very high so i i just got nothing but massive respect for them that that they they're still doing it night after night yeah, yeah. I mean, and and like bands like you know you've got like Guns N' Roses now have been touring now for like four or five years they just haven't stopped have they? It's no, just insane, incredible. absolutely incredible. I'm not being funny, like you know Axel especially is you know he's over sixty and he's still doing it every night. It's just insane. Well, I'm over sixty, so yeah, no, still, still hanging in there. Yeah, yeah, I'll be sixty-one <laughs> next month. Wow. So um happy happy early birthday. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, I mean it, it's awesome that that they're still going and they're still performing at at, at uh, such high levels. Yeah. Um and still doing it with that that passion um and their desire to you know put on a really great show. One of the tapes mm-hmm. I always used to watch and I say tape because I had it on tape was uh, the 94 Monsters of Rock special that you did. Um which I actually went to and you interviewed Vinnie Paul and Dimebag Daryl uh, backstage for that. Can you can you talk about those two guys? I mean, that, it seemed like such a fun, you know, you know, friendly interview with those guys. But they were just adorable. <laughs> um, they they were such lovely guys. Again, down to earth. Um, very funny. Um, I went out on the road with them um, in the states. Uh, and my producer was with me, my Sarah from MTV, and we just had the funniest, funniest time. I, I I remember it with such fondness because we were on the tour bus with them, and um, they were being sponsored by um, this hot sauce company, okay. and they had these. <laughs> um, they opened this drawer in the tour bus, and it was absolutely piled high with sachets of this really, really, really hot sauce. And they were like, Sounds come like on, Vanessa and Sarah, uh, you've got to snip the top off, shoot it straight. And they were trying to get us to suck down these um, oh this really, really hot sauce, just neat. They were just going like this, you know, taking it down. And honestly, I, there was no way I was going to try it. But we had a really, really <laughs> fun evening with them. And um, we went... They dropped us off at our hotel. I think it was about four in the morning. And uh, I, I just went, we just went straight to our room and crashed out. And I woke up in the morning and my friend Sarah, she had a beer in one hand and then she had this kind of see-through backpack and it was absolutely stuffed full of these hot sauces. <sighs> And she was lying on the bed with this beer in one hand and this rucksack of hot sauce sachets in the other. And I just cracked up laughing and we just laughed the entire time on that trip. And um, yeah, I was so sorry to hear about their their passings as well. Um, Yeah. yeah. You know, so, so tragic. Um, And uh, yeah, they were just lovely people. Um, they were proper rock stars, weren't they? You know, if if you let us, you, me, and, me and Sam would literally just ask you about every single person for like hours on end. <laughs> <laughs> I just love this; it makes for great podcasts. All these stories yeah, are amazing. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, you know, those were those were such great times for me, and I I remember them with such fondness. Um, and it's actually, I really appreciate you guys asking me onto the podcast and revisiting some of these stories because they're locked away in my, in my memory. And so many people say, Oh, you should write a book. Um, maybe, maybe I should. Oh, you totally should. Oh, a hundred percent. I think it would be a brilliant book. Well, putting you on a spot. It's, it's not a, a taxing question, but what about best ever live performance, a set you've seen where you just thought this is the pinnacle of, I can't believe you know how good it was. Oh, that that's a challenging question. Yeah, I thought it might be. Um, seen everybody. <laughs> uh, I'm really. Well, just give us one friends. then, but don't say it's the best. Just um, one memorable I one. I think. 
one of the ones that that I would say would be when Queensryche performed the entire um, Operation Mindcrime album. Um, that 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 was incredible. Um, uh, let me think. I mean, Corn, awesome live band. Machine Head, awesome yeah. live band. Ramstein, incredible live band. Love Ramstein. Um, I think there's such humour in what they do. A lot of people are offended by it, but yeah, I, I think that's the point, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, but actually, it was hilarious. I, I found a lot of what they did very. It had a very dry, kind of subversive sense of humour, um, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, yeah, mm. there's 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 just too many good bands to mention that I've seen. Um, to be honest. Um, I do remember that you really did um, champion Machine Head when they first come through. Um, You went to interview them and the the Astoria gigs and all that. You really did champion. You championed a hell of a lot of bands back in the day, didn't you? Um, I did. um, And I had to do it with kind of uh, the team around me. I wanted their input as well. And we also had a playlist um, meeting every week. Um, but I, I was in a fortunate position that I could, I think champion is a good way to say it. Um, and Machine Head, I, I think, you know, as soon as you, you heard that album, you knew they were just an absolutely killer band, um, and just incredible. Uh, and they were, they were a band that I, I did, uh, you know, help a lot. Um, and, I recently, and this is funny that you mentioned them, I recently uh, got a gold disc for Burn My Eyes. Um, so that's well, like well. 30 years later. Um, they yeah. sent it to me <laughs> and I've got actually got it in the other room. Um, so I've got a, a, a my husband, we've got kind of like a, a spare room in our house and I've got all my, I've got lots of gold discs and platinum discs and other bits and pieces um, from artists over the years. And uh, it's all up on the wall in there. Um, I should have really done the interview in there. Um, yeah, but, man. We yeah, they, they, they we could go through each disc one by one till midnight, you know. <laughs> they sent me a, a gold disc about, uh, I think it was about six weeks ago. So very recently. How kind of yeah. is there? Is there many people from like those bands that you're still kind of in contact with, like regularly, you know, that kind of thing? Not really. Still, like, did you make any good friendships there? I, I did, but I think because, you know, I'm not in the scene anymore per se, mm. uh, and my life took a very different turn, um, I, I wouldn't say that, that I'm really in touch with anybody other than my um, old colleagues from and friends from MTV, and they yeah. often, you know, send me messages from bands in fact somebody that i hooked up recently uh with um was chris mccormack um i he got in touch with me because he is also into property investment as well which is what i'm doing now is he really that's interesting (laughs) so um we we arranged to meet up at a a property show of all things um he wasn't able to make it in the end but we're, we're on touch uh in touch via Facebook Messenger, which, by the way, is brilliant for reconnecting people. I've had all sorts yeah. of people get in touch via Messenger. Um, so I will meet up with him for a, for a lunch or a coffee or something um, in the next few weeks when I'm next up in London. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I know that if I ever saw any of these old, uh, you know, friends again, I, I know it would just it would be straight back in that, that you mm, know, mm. we just pick up where we left off so and it was like that when I recorded the first version the first edition of heavy metal heydays because um it was my my producer from MTV that's helping me she's producing the show for me um and it was we just kept going we've got the band back together <laughs> and <laughs> we just had so much fun doing it and we just slotted straight back in so um I think with what I'm doing with stacks um hopefully I'll get to see uh, some some of my old friends again. I mean, I was very friendly yeah. with Sharon and Ozzy, and Sarah's already saying that you know uh, we might be able to do something with them. So, yeah, I, I hope to reconnect. All right. Well, this Amazing. is brilliant. I'm gonna. We have our last question for you, and it's a real easy one. It might not be. It could be tricky, <laughs> but 
as you were a VJ, we we normally say, can you send one song into space for anyone to hear? Only one song to project out there. I know it's really stupid, but we're doing it anyway. Uh, project out there for any other life forms to hear. One song, but can it just be you choose one of the metal videos that you use to play? Only one to shoot up there. Oh my god! <laughs> That's I hard. Take a little time. Thing. You can take a little time. Giving me notice of this one, I'd have to give it some thought. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you another question in between then, while you have a thing. <laughs> Can you remember the first video you played on your first show? No. No. <laughs> well, Damn, did one. you not research it and find out what it was? <laughs> I don't I know. I, I, don't. I, I, know the, I know the first song that was played on MTV. But yeah. my mind's gone blank. It was video killed the radio. Oh, it was video star. killed the radio. Star. The buggles. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. That always comes up in pub quizzes. Always. On one video, <laughs> Vanessa. One video. Is it the video or the song? Oh, uh, you can do one of each. Yeah. One no, of you each. can still enough doing one. It's the best you can do with video and song combo. Oh, blimey. Well, I don't know. Is this, is this to introduce aliens to heavy metal or something? Yeah, I reckon so. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah that kind of. Thing. We've been serious all episodes, all episodes, and so now let's go with this. Okay. Well, I think it would have to be something classic, not too extreme. Um, don't want to scare them off. Well, no, we don't. Um, <laughs> or do we? Gosh, I'm really struggling with this. Um, uh probably oh gosh it's a nightmare to do this uh i'm racking my brains um it's green jelly isn't it (laughs) i would probably say um marilyn manson beautiful people oh Uh, it's a great video but that's gonna scare them off but we'll still go with it well, yes, it is, but it's a brilliant video and yeah. it's, it is catchy. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of these songs song. have, have got real, real hooks in them. So, um, yeah, I think I think that would be something to make somebody think, make an alien think. <laughs> Fantastic choice. I love that. I absolutely love it that. It is a good choice. Vanessa? That's, no one's ever said that before. We've had all sorts, but, yeah, we've had from Bob Marley to... I don't even know anymore. There's been a lot. What American would you guys medicine. choose? I put oh, you no on one's the spot. Asked us that. Oh no! I'm no putting you on the spot now. Well, I did say you Songs. could be mine um, on one other episode when we done um, 44 days of music. That the albums that were all released within 44 days. It was Nevermind, Pearl uh, Jam, Ten, The Guns N' Roses, The Black Album, and I chose You Could Be Mine, The Guns N' Roses. So I used to love that with the Terminator clips in between the live performances. Yep. Mm. So I can't really back away from that. I'll stick in with it. I, I like that one. Um, pro- I'll probably throw. It's a cliche, but I'd probably throw Smells Like Teen Spirit out there. Well, it's such a classic, isn't it? That's the only reason I'm going with it. And if yeah. I th- I'll be thinking about this all night, and I'll be, I will be changing my mind every four minutes. And that's guaranteed. I think I'll be changing my what? mind every four seconds. <laughs> it's a really, it's, it's a, a really hard, hard one to do. It really, really is. And um, because we've, we're so blessed to have so much choice of so much great music from this era that we've been talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah, and there's still great music out there today, you know. And there's still yeah. bands coming out. And... We we champion I mean, bands on on here. We have bands yeah. on that we we think are great, some hardcore bands and other bands up and coming, as well as obviously classic people and TV presenters that we love. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I do <laughs> have yeah. a little the little toe still in the scene because my niece is an artist called Alien Blaze. I don't know if you've heard of oh, her. Okay. Um, but she signed to Sumerian Records, um, and right. she's an incredible guitarist and songwriter, uh-huh. and she's very, very talented. She's only 21, uh, right. and uh, you can look her videos up on uh, YouTube. Um, she's just done a collaboration with Omen 13, uh, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I, I'm very excited for her, for her because she's got uh, the whole 
you know package of what it would take to to be successful she's very very mm-hmm. talented songwriter brilliant guitarist and very good singer and performer so um yeah watch this space alien blaze oh we'll have a look oh at amazing that. no we'll 100%. certainly check that out Vanessa, yeah. we'll, uh, maybe she can come on the show yeah well yeah that'd not? be good 100 yeah. um, percent. awesome we'll say thank you again it's been one of the most interesting chats we've had the stories you know the memories it's been brilliant thanks so much for coming on well yeah, I can thank you thank so you much guys for asking me it's been a, a real genuine pleasure taking this walk down memory lane with you um just thank you so much for for even thinking of me after all this time um and for giving me the chance to talk a little bit about you know coming up um with heavy metal heydays on stacks tv and stacks.com i hope um some of your uh listeners and viewers will will join me on stacks yeah well i'm sure they will right i'm sure they will they'll be they'll be waiting for it they will wait for the date for that to come out awesome Brilliant. Okay, then. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for your time. Bye. Take care. All the best. Bye.